Welcome to Adventures in Dowsing, podcast number 19 from the British Society of Dowsers. I'm Graham Gardner. Now you'll have gathered from that little introduction there that we're on another field trip. This time we're in the company of Earth Mysteries researcher Peter Knight as he gives us a wonderful afternoon's tour of the Avebury Megalithic Complex during our uh, 2009 conference. Uh, Now, obviously, I've had to edit this down considerably to get it into podcastable length, but hopefully it'll still make some sort of sense to you. And we'll go straight into the tour now, as Peter is explaining some of the landscape features of the complex over the Tour Buses PA system. Hidden deep within the rolling hills and downs of Wilfred, one of the wonders, in my opinion, of the ancient world, uh, Avery. The manor house was once the site of a Benedictine cell. Um, uh, the, the church has a hexagram with floor tiles, uh, as, as well as other fantastic uh, symbolism. Um, and the famous Fontenay Church, of course, as featured by Miller and Broadhurst, has the two dragons at the feet of the bishop, taken by Dowser to represent the Michael and Mary currents of the St. Michael line, which, of course, very famously flows through Avery. In fact, within a couple of miles, Avery is almost exactly halfway along the St. Michael line, which I think is quite amazing. So it's quite quite pivotal. The village of Avery, part of the village of Avery stands uh, within some of the finest megalithic achievements of the Neolithic age, within two miles of the Red Lion pub in the centre of the village, which is also reported to be one of the most haunted pubs in Britain, um, can be found the world's largest stone circle, Western Europe's highest Neolithic mound, Silvery Hill, as well as the vestiges of two stone avenues, loads of round burrows, long barrows, dolmens, and other stone circles, as well as isolated megaliths. Um, arguably, in my opinion, uh, Avery's jewel in the crown is Silvery Hill, which rises majestically out of the land, having stood the test of time for nearly 5,000 years, and we'll get to view the top of Silvery Hill from the obelisk site. Um, archaeologists have been in there um, three times, of course, excavating it, causing a lot of damage that was recently repaired. But the mound has never been a tomb, they've never found a passage in it. Um, and it's thought to be a symbolic of the belly of the earth goddess. If you look at a map of Avery, it's actually silvery, that's at the centre of things, although Avery is the big gathering place. Silvery was built around 2700 BC over three stages. It's about 130 feet high, an incredible 12 million cubic tons of feet of earth. And it's a true pyramid. Um, being used cleverly, built by interlocking blocks of chalk in steps of 15 to 17 feet. For you engineers, the angle of the slopes is 30 degrees, which apparently is really, really efficient in not slumping, which it hasn't done until the archaeologists started messing about with it. Um, so it's, it's never, been, never been a tomb, it is really a symbolic of the earth mother. Um, in the, in the sacred landscape, uh, to one of the uh, one of the Chile astral lines goes right through it. I think the monuments of Avery to me wonderfully demonstrate the spiritual beliefs of their builders. Um, its sacred sites are not built at random localities, but positioned very precisely and often with incredible subtlety. To me, the um, Avery monuments are not on the landscape, but rather are hills within it. Moment they were built, they are part of the landscape, and that's the difference between things built then and things that we built now on the landscape. Um, the great megaliths themselves were chosen with great care regarding their size, shape, and symbolism. I'll show you that anthropomorphs and simulacrum abound at Avery, and they've always been there. They are not a result of weathering, as I'll demonstrate shortly. These huge stones exhibiting lasting testaments to a spiritual driving force that revolved around the sun, the moon, and the earth, or the goddess. The, as, well as, coming, as well as the central henge, you formerly had two avenues 
coming out of it. Uh, the Adam and Eve stone and a few buried stones are all that we have left of the Western Avenue. But West Kennet Avenue, uh, there's still some stones remaining. It's arguably the finest megalithic avenue in Britain. We'll get to see that this afternoon. It formerly comprised about 200 tons of stone, of which sadly, sorry, 200 stones, of which now sadly less than 30 survive. Uh, so you can walk up the um, the, the Western, uh, the West Kennet Avenue, following the St Michael current that goes out. Uh, in that direction. And the Neolithic Avenue then comes into the Henger Avenue, which we're going to walk around this afternoon. Even today, the sheer scale of the construction of Avery takes your breath away. Uh, and when you consider the power of the place, and we've lost three quarters of the stones at Avery, it's a bit like taking three quarters of the engine out of your car. You know, would it work properly? Of course not, you know. So when you, when you figure, what, when you see what we see today, and when you feel the energies today, what was it like all those years ago? Um, it, it beggars belief. Um, the huge bank and ditch were constructed around the whole site and some 200 megaliths were raised. Um, weighing, the total weight of stone could have been up to 5,000 tonnes of stone, and, which is quite amazing, which is, which is much, much more than Stonehenge. Stonehenge is a relatively small size, despite its uniqueness. Um, and the megaliths themselves are like an open art gallery. Horses, human heads, vulva characters, cavities, phalluses, so we're going to interact with Avery today, rather than all scatter, if we can all stay together for a group, then that way uh, it'll benefit the whole group. Um, so let's have a very, very magical time. Thank you. Uh, but it's one of the biggest stones in Avery, over 40 tonnes. Uh, it sounds very light, doesn't it, when you say it quickly. So uh, how heavy is your coach, Mr. Driver, do you know? Right, this, this coach weighs 18 tonnes. There are at least three stones of Avery weighing 40 tonnes. This coach weighs 18. And the locality where they bought the stones from, if you can see where I'm pointing, is about between two and three miles over that ridge. So we're on about bringing things over that ridge that weigh three times the weight of this coach. It's pretty impressive, isn't it? I bet, I bet the workers were really cheesed off when the priests or priestesses said, right, we'll have that big 40-ton one, please. <laughs> so here's Avery itself. Here's the Swindon stone on the right, the one nearest the road. You're not allowed to park in the centre, are you? You've got to go to the main car park. So you see, as well as being the world's biggest stone circle, there's wheels within wheels, cogs within cogs. You've got two big circles, the two big circles inside, the diameters are both list could be listed in the top ten of diameters in British stone circles. Yeah, that was in the big one. And even within those two inner circles, there's more stones within. So it really is wheels within wheels at Avery. Yeah, that field and hill on the top, we've had crop circles there for many years in the last decade. And the, the crop circles on this hill are always on the Mary flow as it goes over that hill to go to Silbury. So the reason they're in a slightly different place every year, of course, the Mary flow varies. Um, and there's Silbury on the left. You get a good view of Silbury now. This is the best view you'll have all day. Look at the biggest monument in Western Europe, 133 feet high, the biggest Neolithic monument ever built in Western Europe. It's in the lowest part of the Avery landscape. It's not like some pharaoh's ego pyramid built on the top of a plateau. It's built with such a lot of humility. It's almost as if the artificial hill must not stick above the height of the real ones, and it doesn't. That's a structure built with a lot of humility, a lot of respect for the landscape around it. Uh, okay, while well, everybody's disembarking from the bus and assembling, uh, this would be a good point to tell you that the tour begins in the northeastern quadrant of the main circle uh, at the feature known as the Cove, which is in the northern inner circle, or what remains of it. Uh, if you know Avery at all, you'll know exactly where that is. Uh, if you don't know Avery, then I would encourage you to do a bit of googling, uh, see if you can find a map, which will uh, be handy to have at hand as you're listening to the rest of this podcast. After the cove, we proceed in uh, a roughly clockwise direction around the circle, 
we move south into the street outside the chapel and then into the southeastern quadrant looking at the obelisk and the uh, so-called sun circle and from there we move directly south to the bike where the West Kennet Avenue uh, enters the circle and finally we cross the road into the southwestern quadrant to look at the uh, remaining arc of stones there. So again we're at Avery if you so we're looking north here, so of course um, made famous in the Sun and the Serpents, uh, we've got the Michael and Mary currents coming in here. The Michael current comes more or less through the gap where the road sign is there, although it does wander around. Uh, in fact all these currents wander around, especially in this field, because there's no stones to fix them down anymore. This Michael goes wandering all over the place, more or less comes in the direction of Susan. Mary, the Mary flow is coming through there, after going through the church, I just showed you at Winterbourne Longton, then comes through that stone, uh, stone 208 I think, that one there of the inner circle. Um, so you've got the outer circle of stones, two inner circles, which we're standing in the northern one, and uh, that's where Mary comes through and they both meet here at the cove. Originally three stones here, which is why a lot of people think uh, this is the feminine circle. So although we, 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 a lot of people consider this as a, a huge goddess site, and uh, Stonehenge down the road always feels more masculine. I don't know about you, all the groups I s seem to take around. Um, when you look at Stonehenge, it almost looks as if the men have been let out to play with a big Lego kit. <laughs> okay. All the stones except one were carved at Stonehenge. None of them at Avery are carved. Only 19 miles away, the people use the site, both of them. So even in Wiltshire, we seem to have the Yang site and the Yin. I know there's. There's the opposite elements at each side because every side is balanced. But this feels like a huge uh, gathering place and all the stones have been left how they were given to them by Mother Earth. It's been said to me, well, the girls didn't need, didn't want to alter what was naturally given to them by the goddess. Um, the place certainly feels very feminine. At Stonehenge, it's almost like a black hole. I don't know if you ever get that feeling when you go inside. It's like sucking everything in. It's, to me, it's too powerful. I get headaches in there. It's the only place in the world I get headaches in. And what, so what was it like when the site was complete? You know, even more intense. And your ex Stonehenge is exclusive as well, you know. When you're on the outside, when all the stones were originally standing, you can't see in, except along very narrow sight lines. Yet here, everybody can see what's going on. And, um, you know, you could get well over 100,000 people into Avery and have room to spare. You know, you get a hundred people inside the sarsen stones at Stonehenge and you're like this, you know. So, chalk and cheese, if something is of a different design, clearly, isn't it logical that it's for a different purpose? But, um, well, on a scale, Stonehenge is the size of this inner yeah, circle. Yeah, you get Stonehenge mm. into, into this inner circle, you can get 16 Stonehenges into Avery. So, uh, it's the world's biggest stone circle. So, the energies come together here and then go through the stone and we'll follow it um, through the, uh, through, the, through the site. There's a lot of astronomy here. Originally there was a, a mini, an even smaller circle surrounding the cove and um, there used to be a stone about where that guy is standing there, slightly to the left. In fact those nettles might be a really good, uh, <laughs> you've seen that before haven't we? So uh, there was a stone to the right and a bit nearer than the one we've got now and that used to cast a phallic shaped shadow at the summer solstice mm. into the womb into the chalice into the cove a bit like a stonehenge you've got the phallic shaped peel stone and at the solstice it, it, it casts a phallic shaped shadow because the shadow has to reflect the shape of the stone into the monument which is quite interesting so there used to be another stone standing here but the symbolism is amazing at Avery although I say it's a goddess temple it's got yin and yang uh, everywhere because I think the, the priestesses here were looking to create what they see in nature, which is the balance of yin and yang, which to be honest, I do not think they achieved at Stonehenge. I don't ever feel Stonehenge is a balanced site. Yeah? And if you, if you look from this direction, here's the tall phallus here, and there's the big, fat, plump, fertile goddess stone. Symbolism is really important. These stones are only weathered between two and three millimetres in four and a half thousand years. We know that from some of the carvings at Stonehenge. So any faces we see today must have been here in ancient times. The ones that have been created by vandalism, you can easily see that because of the sharp edges. So the Michael and Mary Corrins are coming in here and then they go right through this big stone. 
And I always look at these literally as Tom Gravestead, as needles of stone. I look like them as acupuncture needles. Yeah, because that's what they're doing with the land, isn't it? You've got these forces coming in here, and this, this material is more or less a solid box of chalk. If you get on the sunny side, the quartz, it's more or less totally composed of quartz, but on a microscopic level. So we know how quartz And we know the shamans knew that this isn't solid. Quantum physics tells us this is not solid. The nearest thing I know to a solid object in the universe, which is what we plot between uh, George W. Bush's ear holes. <laughs> well, some would say that's a vacuum. Um, so yeah, they knew that when you put these in the ground, you could influence the flow of chi in your body, like with the acupuncture, the flow of chi on Mother Earth's body. But I'm not just saying that's the only purpose. These sites are multifunctional. I, I cringe a bit when people say Avery and Stonehenge is here for that reason or for that reason. It's like saying a church is just used for weddings. Of course it isn't. Sites are multifaceted, and I think they always have been. So let's not pigeonhole sites. You know, this is, you know, depending on how you're going to use it, this, this is a, a multifaceted and multifunctional site. Uh, I'm going to give you time to do a little bit of dowsing, so it'll be interesting, as I say, uh, the Mary's Grove used to come to see that stone, because it's the only stone there at the moment. We shouldn't assume that it always came to that stone, but of course it's using that stone, or the stone is attracting it now. It's the Michael current that tends to wander around, because there's no stones between us and the Swindon stone there. On the other side of this stone, you'll see there's a double circle, which is marking the centre of the flow. You pull the eye of the goddess, it's like, um, it's like Homer Simpson's huge donut, isn't it? Look at that. But that's marking the centre of the Michael and Mary float. It hasn't been carved, but it was selected because of the symbolism. So anybody who's tall, it is quite powerful to put your head in here, actually. People have had some amazing experience. It just threw you over just, didn't it, I noticed. And he hasn't had a drink yet, have we? <laughs> no. Um, so you can feel it in your tummy. I tend to get a really feeling in my tummy here when I'm on the energy flows. I don't need to get my dowsing rod out even. It's really powerful just here. We're approaching the full moon, well, the, the half moon, aren't we, at the moment. I found it Avery as well, as I think you might have felt it elsewhere. The energies shrink, they get wider and narrower with the moon. So the moon doesn't just affect the tides, it affects the terrestrial energies as well. And I know this from Avery. I come up here two or three times a week. I'm very blessed to live close here now. And I've literally daily measured these, the width of these energy flows. And this is what I said last night, you know, we're not talking about an energy grid like a load of pylons going across the land. We're talking about something that's moving. It's conscious. It's like, this is where the, all, the, all the tales of the, of the serpents and dragons come from. There are still dragons going across the land. You're dowsing one now, yeah? The dragon energies. Michael and Mary, Michael and George slaying the dragon. I love bringing dowsing groups out. Everybody disappears in 20 different directions. It's fantastic. <laughs> These stones go down into the ground as well. This one goes down two meters into the ground. Of course, the taller they are, generally the more earth, earth fast they have to be. But some, the energies have to be in the ground, not just from an engineering point of view, but to access those underground energy currents as well. Because as you know, being dowsed, there's energy is not just uh, going across the ground. It's also underneath. Avery is situated, uh, as is most of Wiltshire, on one of the world's biggest aquifers, which is under the chalk of southern England. That's why we've got all these major sacred sites. And of course, the fault line is bringing all those energies and all those blind springs up to the surface. Uh, we, we bought, if any of you want to bring your own dowsing groups here to spend the whole day here, we, we, did, a, we did it with the, um, the Sussex dowsers last year. Uh, we had all those little blue and red flags and uh, I said right put a flag where you find the different energies it was quite impressive we had all the red flags going off there and nearly all the green flags the blue flags were going off towards Mary and there were two red flags at the other end and uh, I said who put these red flags in here and the guy came over and he said oh yeah I put them in and I said why have you got red flags there and he said oh I thought you were using red for Mary so even the wrong flags were actually because he was putting red flags in for Mary. But when you bring a dowsing group here and you, you see the coloured flags going off in a really serpentine manner, it's really visually impressive and uh, it's quite amazing. All the public line up saying, what the hell are those weirdos doing? To do Avery justice, I'd love to have groups here for the whole day. 
Right. If we could move over towards the other side of that tree, there's a really, really interesting stone over there. Okay, so this stone really demonstrates the difference between Stonehenge and Avery. Uh, you see, we're seeing this on a nice sunny day. I've been around here with flickering torches. I've been groups around here overnight because uh, a lot of the shamanic work by the shamans would have been done overnight. We know that shamanism was ripe at this time because we found several remains in British tombs of hallucinogenic plants. Yeah, and, uh, course, and, and drumming is an essential element of shamanism as well to get the shaman into a trance. We don't find any drums. Uh, in British sites because of course they don't get preserved but we know from other sites elsewhere drums are well and truly around they're, in, they're featured on a lot of Egyptian temples uh, and of course with sleep deprivation, food deprivation the ingestion of hallucinogens the shaman would go on his trip to bring back information that's of use to the tribe and uh, at the night when you put flickering torches around here all these change and you start seeing shapes and this is before you've even been in the pub yeah. and you start seeing shapes and this is the whole idea i always say you don't need your imagination to visit stonehenge imagination is an essential feature of visiting Avery because it's a shamanic site and shame uh, imagination is one of the elements of shamanism it's getting your logical brain out the way and seeing the magic in everything and i think the ancestors knew these weren't solid and they would project their consciousness into them. It isn't solid, it just looks solid to us. It's billions of atoms all whirling around. And we have these features which are natural, they are not, um, they're not uh, carved. And one of the best heads at Avery is this one. And the sun is showing it up beautifully at the moment. Yeah. Oh, wow. All of the, right, the top of that stone. Look at the spiraling horn as well, oh, yeah. like a ram's horn. Uh, this head, like a lot of the heads at Avery, faces the midwinter sunrise. Yeah, so I think certain stones are where the people would gather for the certain festivals. A lot of these heads face all the different directions depending which head you go to. Um, that's quite magnificent. And I'd say these stones have hardly weathered a few millimetres in, in 4,000 years. We've had sculptors along, Paul Devereux did research on this. Uh, although there's a few edges that might possibly have been enhanced slightly with axes, uh, these are naturally a gift from the goddess. They didn't need carbon. Uh, on the other oh, side of this stone is this beautiful, again, vulva opening here, which is original. We've lost a little bit of it because you can see these are the damage formed uh, in the 13th or 1700s, 13th century or 1700s. And look how sharp these are. This is, re this is the damage when they tried to break up the stones. And these are still sharp. This is out there we know that all these other shapes are ancient. Yeah, and if you go into here, you can hear how the acoustics change mm. straight away. So I can just see the shamanka, the priestess, in the vulva of the, of the Earth Mother, greeting the mid-winter sunrise. And this is what I do with groups such as yourselves and other weird and wonderful people. We, we actually go and interact with these sites. We do drumming in West Kennet, we do drumming around here, and we do earth healing, and just like a lot of you guys do. We're all doing our little bit in our own way, aren't we? But I'm not, I, I've never have been interested in, in necessarily why a thing was built. You know, uh, at the end of the day, they were building Stonehenge and Avery to experience something. That's the bottom line. And in the case of Avery, to enhance the energies not build them up i feel like at stonehenge I, I, I i've had a lot of days that have said to me stonehenge is almost a stone circle too far because one of the mysteries of stonehenge to me is why haven't we got other stonehenges people were coming to stonehenge for over a thousand years why, why didn't they come and say wow i'll have one of them in our backyard <laughs> engineering wise stonehenge is not difficult we know how it was built you know but to me, you know, why haven't we got them all over the place? The, the, the tricky thing is to invent something. Copying it is quite easy. Why is, isn't, wasn't Stonehenge copied, you know? Did it really work as well? Was it too powerful? Whereas Avery, you feel people are working with the energies here rather than trying to, I don't know, split the atom, yeah? Mm -hmm. Which I think is what was going on down Stonehenge, yeah? Um, Stonehenge as well changed and developed over 1300 years as you know they were always twiddling about and tweaking it at Avery a, a woman said to me once the girls got it right first time <laughs> although they added bits onto Avery there's no evidence that they actually changed the position of the stones once they were put off so that says a lot doesn't it that says a lot I'm going to have to move us on to get back on the Michael Mary flow where there's a real powerful site where the two energy lines cross the road in front of the chapel 
Okay, so we're halfway at the moment between the northern circle and the southern circle. And uh, the Michael and Mary currents have now blended as one. Uh, although there are many strands, as you know, Miller and Broadhurst found that, you know, there can be up to a dozen strands and everything's like interweaving and uh, so we're not just looking at one fat band. But of course, if you want to douse for that, you can douse where the band is. It, it, it varies with the width, the different times of the, of the lunar month. The energy is coming through that house. Now, I don't know whether uh, they get a good night's sleep of night there, but I bet they get a great TV reception, yeah? All the energy flowing through. And then it goes to this chapel. Most chapels are east-west, aren't they? This is almost north-south. It's exactly aligned with the energies. Built in the 1750s, I think. And, uh, you know, why is it there, right on the microflow? Three possibilities. Either they knew about the flow, and the masons put it there, Secondly, uh, it just felt right to put it there. That's a possibility. Yeah, it just felt, hey, this feels really right. The third possibility has the energy diverted slightly to find the chapel since it was built. Isn't it wonderful? Three possibilities. There might be a fourth I haven't thought of yet. But as soon as you start studying ley lines, as a lot of you guys have, and dowsing energies, churches are in all directions, aren't they? Wonderful. Forget this east-west thing, yeah? This is a north-south one. Yeah. So the energy is going right through. So if you want to spend perhaps a few minutes, see if you can douse the energy as it crosses the road. But be specific, because of course under here you've got sewage pipes, cables, electricity power lines, and everything. Be interesting to see how wide you get it today, or how wide you can feel it. Of course, you've all got different sensitivities. Somebody might have it here, somebody might have it there. I have no problem with that. We're all different, aren't we? But don't worry, you'll you'll pick up whatever you pick up. Yeah. I always say with energy, energy, energy currents, who's to say they don't go out forever? You know, they blend with, with the, the, the cosmos. Because I might douse it there, but that might be the limit of my sensitivity. The next person, that might be the limit of their sensitivity. Um, this was one of the entrances to the hinge as well. You've got the back hands yes. that that yeah. The two entrances there. Yeah. Yeah. That's the original eastern entrance. <laughs> yes. There's also a few risers coming out of the ground here, so you might find your pendulum spinning. Uh, there's a couple of real hot spots here. If you stand on one, you'll feel it. Um, it's got hot feet. So what I want to do now, um, sorry I've got to rush you, but uh, we're going to go around the other side and see what happens when the energy comes out of the church, because that is a fascinating field. So let's go and see what happens when the energy comes out the other side of the church. So these people, a lot of them were like, you know, seriously into hallucinogenic drugs, like mushrooms and stuff, were they? Well, the priestesses would have been, yeah. I'm not saying the common people were. We, you know, a lot of people take hallucinogens now for recreational purposes. Yeah. I think it had a more sacred purpose in ancient yeah, times. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying everybody was sort of noble and nobody would trip out on the odd mushroom, but uh, <laughs> it was a really important part. I mean, you go anywhere today and the hallucinogens, virtually any shamanic culture you go to anywhere in the world, past still present, you find the use of hallucinogens, drumming, sleep deprivation, food deprivation, and we know it was going on here. But how do you know that there, is, there was some sort of drug use? Uh, well, we, we found in many tombs in Britain, uh, Paul Devereux has written a book called The Long Trip, mm -hmm. and he gives many, many, many examples of archaeologists finding residues of hallucinogens oh, in tombs, okay, okay. just in Britain, mm -hmm. loads across Europe. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's so good news. Um, so you get a good one. This is now the southern circle. You see the sweep of it coming around here. Even this would bury Stonehenge, yeah? And there's the, the outer circle, originally 98 stones going all the way around. So you get an idea of the scale of Avery. And there's this smallest, a very interesting structure in the middle. Let's go and have a look at this. Because this is key to the energies, I feel. Again, the energies here can do really complicated things. Nothing is set in stone. <laughs> Sorry about the pun. Um, but in fact, it is set in stone, you could say. Um, the energy is coming through the church. The Michael and Mary are still, are still together at this point, I feel. But depending when I bring dowsing groups, the energy can do really weird things. Sometimes the energy goes straight through here. You see these little row of stones? Archaeologists have never been able to tell us why this row of stones is here. It's not aligned up with anything. But if you actually look along them, they're wiggly. 
they're not straight. Now, I'm assuming they did, they weren't on the mead the night before they built this, and mm -hmm. <coughs> it's channeling the energy through. Now, sometimes the nail points will divert to the obelisk. The reason that concrete block there is bigger than all the rest is because that's where the 20-foot-high obelisk was that the uh, William Stukeley uh, drew. And this area is really complicated, so I'm not even going to pretend to tell you what the energies are doing today. Sometimes I find the energy is going straight down here, sometimes it's reverse to find the obelisk. Because the obelisk, although it's made of concrete, will still attract the energies. Because what's concrete made out of? Pebbles, sand and water. It's all natural. So the energy will come along. If you put your pendulums over any of these concrete pillars that Alexander Keeler erected, look what he did on the top of them. He put little pyramids on the top. I find my pendulum will often swing around more violently on top of those than on top of these. So I don't know whether he intended that to happen, but the pyramids are focusing the energy. So yeah, you can look down this, this wiggly row of stones and see, really, you can almost feel how it's being channeled down between the next two set of big fat stones. What I want to do is, remember at the cove, there was that alignment of, of a stone casting the shadow into the vulva of the Earth Mother. Well, here we have another alignment. The obelisk uh, was originally 20 foot high, and, it, uh, and it's like a big sundial. If you can imagine the obelisk there, and when the sun rises anywhere between southeast and northeast all through the year, of course, that big, massive, phallic-shaped shadow gets cast on these stones of the inner circle. It's like a huge sundial. And Terence Meerden, Dr. Terence Meerden, a good friend of mine who did a lot of work years ago on the archaeology, he, he noted that at Beltane, right, the any time during the first week in May, that of the sun rises the other side of the obelisk there in the distance, and the shadow goes on that stone there. So let's go and have a look at it, because it's an amazing stone. If you can imagine a 20-foot high phallic stone there, and um, again the yang as opposed to the yin of the circle, at Beltane and a few days either side, the, the shadow, and we've done a reconstruction of it, Terence Moody did a big scaffolding, he had an arc light marking where the position of the Beltane sunrise is, he switched it on and the shadow came into here this crevice, feminine symbolism. Even today, people are leaving offerings in there. Even with eclipses above it, well-worn through people touching it for good luck. This stone could have been anywhere in Avery, any of the other stones where 500 stones were put up. It's an amazing coincidence, if it is, that we've got this vulva symbolism directly opposite the Beltane sunrise. So at Beltane, which all over the world is a fertility festival, is when we used to put maypoles up, it's the big phallus coming up. Uh, or is it a phallus going in? Yeah. We assume it's an erect phallus, or is it the phallus going into the earth? If you look at any of these stones like that, is it coming up or is it penetrating? So, uh, so this is the Beltane sunrise alignment. And these stones reflect all the different sunrises from the solstice originally all the way to the summer solstice. So I want to carry on around the sundial and show you some other interesting bits of symbolism. If any of you play chess, you might recognise that, the knight's head. It's not a result of weathering, it was there when the stone was put up. It's not a result of the, of the later vandalism. Look at the eye at the top, look at the nostril, look at the snout. Amazing. It's facing the church, you can just about see the tower there, which from this stone is the midwinter, sorry, is the midsummer sunset. So again, another astronomical line head. Clearly the people destroying the site in the church weren't too offended with a horse's head. So that got left behind. Actually, there are two horses' heads. Yeah, there. there's one on, there's a, there is a head on this side as well. well there are three of them, actually. Yeah, yeah. There's a horse with its nose at the yeah. angle like that. There's another one. I see it down the bottom. But this is the beauty of Avery. I bring different groups around here and people see different things. And I think that's what the shamans were doing, the initiates. They were stuck in front of these stones with God knows what inside them of a night, all the flickering torches. And it is literally in the eye of the beholder, you know? Um, that's the whole idea. You need to experience Avery. So if we get back on the Michael and Mary current, going through these two big fat stones, the two 40 tonners, very imaginatively named by archaeologists, Stone 98 and Stone 1. <laughs> Archaeologists love numbers. So if you start at one, you go all the way around, 
and then come back to 98. This is the biggest area of destruction here. We've lost uh, 97 back to 75, I think. Terrible. So these two weigh over 40 tons. Remember that coach, 18 tons? And these two stones were brought from about three miles away over that hill. It's quite difficult moving these stones on a flat surface. For every 10 degrees you go up, you need another 100 people on the rope. And those are big hills, there's no way around it. I've had a look at the contours. Wow. So don't forget here as well, you have the Michael and Mary corns coming through. Look at the moles here, they're lovely. Loads of moles down here. <laughs> so you've got the Michael and Mary corn coming through. You've got the energy going around the stone circle. Yeah. As well as the energy coming up and down. When I do my drumming nights, we sometimes, yeah, we sometimes pause here. But this really is like, uh, I don't know, it's like a major crossing here. So you've got the Michael and Mary coming through. And you can imagine the energy and the auras of these two massive stones when you felt the energy coming off those little ones. An amazing stone. One of the heaviest stones ever to be moved in Europe. Probably in the top 10 weight-wise, this one. One of the most interesting features, and it's a photo opportunity, as I tell the Americans, is this stone here. Now, should, this is called the Devil's Stone. It was Devil from Diva, Shining One. I call it the shaman's chair, because if you choose to sit on this, I think this will be one of the oldest seats you ever sit on, you know, uh, four and a half thousand years old. It's the only seat in Avery, but it's also the only stone, if you come around this side, with a hole going right through. It could be for smoke. Uh, <laughs> is it the shaman sits there and his soul goes up through? Yeah, up the chimney, like the Lapland shaman. Yeah. Uh, also the the acoustics in here, can you hear? Again, the acoustics yeah. are quite amazing in here. Also, if you come here on a rainy day, the water will drip there and drip down. Early baptism, it happens here as well. You can collect the water from here. And of course, when water flows over a sacred object, it's holy water, isn't it? So, oh priestess, we wait for your wisdom. <laughs> local, the local story is that if you walk around this 99 times and sit in that seat, the devil will come and give you a wish. Well, I haven't tried it, but I think you probably wish him to go away. <laughs> so some people call it Not the devil's coffee. seat. The druids collect around here. When they have their, their Beltane ritual, they get the spring maiden there in all her regalia, and they bring her offerings. It's a beautiful ritual. So we wait for your wisdom, O oh priest. <laughs> the ones we use, the line we usually like to hear is, the drinks are on me. <laughs> so feel free. Um, so I think we're very privileged to sit on here because I think this was a very special chair. Uh, so somebody there would have been greeting all the processions coming down the avenue and coming in through the two entrance stones. It's a lot of people have done meditations, a lot of people have had very profound experiences there. It's facing more or less south, so you get the full moon, the midday sun, the stars at their highest. Um, very, very special seat. How many bottoms have sat on there over the last four and a half thousand years? It's amazing. So, very special. This is called the Devil's Chair, of course, that was the Christianization of something that was very, very sacred. And even the bone split, the stone splitters couldn't, uh, didn't even attempt to move these two and the Swindon stone. Too big even for them. Really I can see the aura, being within the aura of this stone is just amazing. I just fill up, it's just incredible. And there's another meter and a half below the ground, by the way. <laughs> you don't need to put this stone into the ground at all. This isn't going anywhere. They did it to access the underground energies. They didn't do it to make it earth fast. This baby's not going anywhere. You can rest this on the ground, it's not going anywhere. It's for the underground energies, I believe. No, no, most stones were sort of this sort of size. As we can see, this is the most complete section which we're going to walk around shortly. Yeah. It's just at the entrances we, we have these massive stones. Yeah. Yeah. No, I assume they filled this bit up the road. Uh, it has been, no, this is the original southern ah, okay. uh, so Four the, breaches in ah, the ditch yeah, are the original yeah, yeah. one. Yes, yes, I see what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> is this as deep as it would have been, or would it have gone no, even deeper? No, I'll, I'll tell you that now. Mm. It's a lot deeper. I thought it was. Okay, so we've got a great view here, mm. a great photographic view. You can see how the energy comes through the church, through the stones, 
through those stones, through these big stones, and then the Michael and Mary uh, separate, and I'll get you to all turn around in a minute. But while we're all facing this way, we look at the bank and ditch. Uh, the biggest bank and ditch ever erected in... Is it erected or dug? I should say dug, shouldn't I? <laughs> of course, by creating a ditch, you create a bank. By creating a bank, you create a ditch. Clearly, it's on the inside. It's not defensive. And there's no wars in the Neolithic anyway, so there's nothing defensive, you know? Um, so, uh, clearly, it's something else. Uh, and it goes down another four metres than what you can see. If you look at Keeler's excavations as a photograph, where it goes down to a V right at the bottom and the men are right at the bottom, minuscules, all these ladders. So it goes down another four metres. Um, it's not clay line, it's never been a moat. Uh, as you know from chalk, you can't do that on chalk. Chalk is permeable, the water just goes straight down. So you'd have had to clay line that to get it. So it's not a moat. Um, Dowsers tell me it's manipulating the energy. There's energy going around the ditch. Some of very powerful energy going down in that ditch. It has been suggested to me recently that this is part of the initiation. Uh, you see the bank here. Uh, perhaps first they had to go around the bank where you can see everything. And then when you're going circling down in, in the ditch, you can see nothing. Because I've worked out that when the ditch was the original depth, when you're walking around it, you can't see any of the stones. No, no, no. So your focus is like walking a labyrinth. It's here and now. And then, of course, the next circle, perhaps, was walking around the stones. So you're gradually coming into the sacred centre. That's just one theory. There are other... There's lots of dowsing theories about that. This is building the energy up, building the organ up. You know, uh, you could write a book. Well, people have. <laughs> on the end. Um, so uh, it's a very complex site out, Abri. Let's not pigeonhole anything. It's multi-purposed. A ditch could have served more than one function, because the stone shearers has held it. Um, but look at the bank we're on, and this has eroded a little bit down since it was original. Originally, this would have been pure white. Pure white. Can you imagine it glistening in the sunshine? Can you imagine it glistening in the moonlight? This circle of pure light, which would have been visible for miles away. What an incredible sight. Like Sylvia. Sylvia was originally this pure white pyramid. Wow! Like the pyramids of Giza, you know, they were once faced with the white limestone. Sylvia looked just like that. You know, fantastic. Um, so yeah, I think the ditch has a, has a vital part to play in Aby, but it's not defensive, it's on the inside of the Aby landscape. So after the Michael and Mary, do you remember, after they, they meet and go through the, the, uh, the site, and this is the only place in Britain where they do that, elsewhere on the Michael and Mary current they either cross or else they kiss. Mm -hmm. Nowhere else do they flow for about 500 metres like they do here. And then they separate after they come out of Stone 1 and Stone 98. If we all turn round, um, you get a great view. Mary then goes across that field, through that hawthorn tree. Look, it's the only bush anywhere up there. Again, is it channeling the energy? Yes, but it's a happy bush because it's in the energy flow. And then the energy meanders over that hill. It, 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 it varies such a lot. That green patch there in the field, just below the top, is where there was a crop circle this year. But uh, we quite regularly get crop circles in that field, and it's wherever Mary is at the time. That's why they vary by a few yards nearly every year. Mary isn't fixed down. If it's not fixed down, the snake will move. Uh, so the microflow goes up the avenue. You can see it more or less goes up to... The microflow, first of all, comes through these trees. These are the biggest beech trees in, in, in Adrian. They're bigger than any of the other ones on the banks. Um, and they're very happy. They're right in the microflow. Uh, very happy trees. And then the microflow goes up the avenue. You can see the concrete pillars. And then goes over there. And then uh, goes a mile and a half to the stone circle. Uh, the sanctuary, original stone surface site. Look how it's meandering. Can you see it? It's following something. So they've, they've it's actually not crossed straight. over, haven't they? It's not straight. From the other side, they've crossed over. The um, the Michael, yes. the Michael and Mary. Yeah, was the Michael. Yes, there is a cross. Yeah, they come in from. Yes, you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So this time, Mary's on the right going out. And the, and the Michael current, where those lovers are going up there, are. Um, is, but it's very sinuous. Wow, it's like following something, you know? And of course, what it's following is the earth energy. And of course, it's also channeling the earth energies. But it's chicken or the egg, you know? Did they find the flow and put the stones in the ground? Or are the stones, you know, fixing the Is that big stone anchoring, Michael? 
Yeah. That one there, that, that's the, that's the, the left-hand stone of the um, avenue this is the, going across. Um, so the avenue, the centre of the avenue is more or less where the gate is. Okay. Um, so it would have been originally the left-hand stone going down the avenue. Yeah, the and can you just yeah, see the top of Silbury beyond that stone? Yes, you can. Yeah. Yeah, just that you, I didn't yeah. point it out in the obelisk. The only yeah. place you can get a good view of Silbury from yeah, is from the obelisk. Thing. Yeah. Sorry I didn't find that. You can just about see the top of it there, where the two skylines come down. And Paul Devereux worked out harvest dependence because when when the when the uh, wheat was at its highest, Control. Silbury Hill would disappear. So uh, did that signal the ritual society? I don't know. Neolithic, oh. Neolithic wheat was a bit higher than the modern stuff we've got now. So, uh, so this is where they separate and then the links come together at the sanctuary. Uh, the ancient Ridgeway path runs right along the top of that skyline. And you see all those tree clumps are surrounding tumulite. And there's lots of stones on that path as well, which, take, which Terence Meerden found, which are taking the astronomical directions out onto the skyline. Even though you can't see those stones from here, they are still marking it. They're right on the astronomical directions. His, his book is called The Secrets of the Abrey Stones. It's brilliant. It's got all the symbolism. So what we've got to spend our time to do now is to go round this last arc of the circle. Well, hopefully I'll convince you of the theory I had for some time. And as we go round the stones, it's male-female, male-female as we go round. Sometimes beautiful. for uh, pilgrims to catch up. Uh, although this is mainly a goddess site, I feel, mainly priestesses, girl power and all that, uh, but they were trying to create what they see in nature, that's the balance of yin and yang, which I don't feel was uh, sought at Stonehenge, for sure. Uh, and the first one, if my theory is right, is a typical what Terence Murden found to be a goddess stone. Quite short, quite squat, quite fat. If you come round, and at the bottom, we have the vulva of the Earth Mother very well worn through people touching it over many, many centuries for good luck. Uh, what's unique about this stone is these carved circles, uh, which at least two archaeologists now have agreed with us that they are not geological, because you don't find these circles anywhere else. If, you, if they were geological, you'd find the bed, you'd find others around. You can even here actually feel the flint axe marks that have made them. You can actually run your fingers over them. Uh, some of these circles aren't complete anymore because that's the two or three millimetres erosion that I mentioned since ancient times. This is how we know they're ancient, yeah, and not uh, done when the place was vandalised, 13th, 17th, 1800s. So you can see some of them are overlapping. Is it his and hers like bath towels or is it the same person coming back? Only on this stone were they allowed to carve, uh, so perhaps the next two stones were carved originally, but we've lost those, because it's almost, I always look at it like a visitor's book you get in a church. You know, they were, they, were, they were allowed to leave their mark on this. People have tried to relate it to the stars and earth energies and all that sort of thing, it doesn't seem to work. I think it's just simply people leaving a bit of themselves, like we do when we sign a visitor's book. Right near the entrance where the big processions, thousands of people would have come in. Uh, it's quite amazing to actually, you can actually feel the grooves of the flint. It's quite amazing just to touch these stones, these holes, knowing that somebody made them over 4,000 years ago. How about the indentations? Those are where iron nodules have eroded away, oh, right. those are natural. Okay. So if this is the female stone, the next one should be male. And as you see, straight away, it's more phallic, definitely. And uh, this one is called the skull stone, the skull stone. If you come round here, you'll get to see why. It's quite impressive. It's quite impressive. Again, another option you've got, of course, you're in a car, you're only half an hour from the venue, so you can always come and chill out on Sunday afternoon here after the conference ends and whatever. So this is called the skull stone. You'll need to be around this side to see the skull. It's like a rotting skull. It's like decaying away. Even the eye socket has an eyeball in it, which is quite amazing. You come around here of a night with a flickering torch, I tell you, it scares the bejeebas out of you. But that's what was meant to happen. What's the point of a rites of passage if it doesn't scare the out of you, you know? So, um, and what's interesting is that it's angled at uh, 40 degrees, which is the winter solstice direction, which is the Hecate, the Kali time of year, represents death. And we've got the skull facing it. Uh, Keeler erected some of these, but others are as they have always stood. Um, 
so by that theory then this is the nail one so the next one just wait for the no okay they're doing right the next one should be the female one this was one of the ones that Keeler erected. There's a little vulva hole there, but there's a bigger one below ground level. They put this into the ground too far when they re-erected it. It's a classic goddess stone. Again, it's as wide as it is high. Um, so again, we've got the male, female, yin-yang. So the next one should be the male stone. This one's a bit more obvious. Clearly a tall phallus, this one. When did Keeler do this work? 1929, 30. 1929, yeah. uh, I ran out of money <coughs> when the Second World War arrived. Um, yeah. Again, this is the male, so if you come here as well, clearly a huge phallus, bulbous at the top, and from here you can see the short, tall, short, tall as you go around. Wonderful, classic uh, male phallus, uh, like you see all over Brittany. And when I go to most stone circles, and you'll wonder how you haven't noticed it before, Virtually every stone circle you go to, the Rollwright, Scorehill, you start looking next time you go. Have a look at the photos you've taken of existing circles. There's always one stone taller and slimmer than all the rest, and there's always one plump, fat goddess stone. You have a look next time you look at your old photos. Mm. It's everywhere. But here we have fallacies in abundance. So, um, so the next one is due to be the female stone. Again, shorter. Faster, plumper, and there's the hole at the bottom. And there's the hole at the bottom. <coughs> the next one is stone seven. Yeah, the uh, nine, the barber stone. This is the uh, this is the one where they found the skeleton at Abury. And uh, these holes, if I got the Americans like the stone because it looks like a big eagle rising out of it. But look at that eye socket it has an eyeball in it even the eyeball has a pupil in it when it rains the rain collects in that ledge yeah, yeah. and the eye glistens in the sunlight mm -hmm. it twinkles at you amazing isn't it these are acoustic holes you can put drum you can put animal skins over here and use them as drums and you can also oh, that's quite clever. chant into them you can the acoustics only this stone and the next stone has all these uh, holes uh, um, uh, is there anybody there yeah. None of these holes go through to the other side because the idea is that the shamans are sending a message through the portal to the other world and then they are listening for the reply. If you come round here, there's actually a stone you can talk into that'll give you a brief echo. Mm -hmm. Again, it doesn't go all the way through. Again, as I'm, can you hear the, the echo? It's like just going, speaking down a tunnel. Oh, yeah. Oh. So they selected this stone because of the acoustics. If they wanted a smooth stone, they'd have chosen a smooth stone. So, and again, you can put a, you can put an animal skin over here, and you can drum to the gods. Can you hear it? Just my hand. Yeah. yeah. Nothing is by chance. Nothing is by chance. Yeah. They are select. They have thousands of stones to choose from. I have been over those hills where there's still thousands of stones lying in the fields, and I can see faces in them now. That's where they got the idea from. You can test the theory. There's faces all over the place in those fields on Fifefield Down. Mm. That's where they got. They didn't have to is dig that any common land. Yes, it is. They didn't have to dig any of these stones up. They were lying on the surface, a gift <laughs> from the goddess. Ah, I see. They didn't have to chop them from anywhere. No, none of, none of them are chopped. It took ten men three days to put the stone back up. With yeah. modern, modern equipment. equipment. Mm. One of the best. Um, this thing about the barber stone, this is where they found the skeleton under the stone that was dated from the 1300s. It was called a barber stone because they found scissors and sharp implements. He was a travelling barber. Uh, but they recently examined the skeleton. Did you see the Meet the Ancestors program just a few years ago? And you'd think if this stone had fell on somebody, it would have crushed them. None of the bones were crushed. How he died was two sharp blows on the back of the head. And books are even being published now that don't have that bit on it. And um, um, so I don't know whether he gave somebody a bad haircut or something, but uh, <laughs> somebody bumped him off and put him under the stone. The stone didn't crush him. And he was but, carrying coins dated 1340. Yeah. And a pair of scissors. A pair of scissors, that's he was the travelling barber. Yeah. He gave somebody a very bad haircut for the sound of it. But the National Trust guide who tells this story, they always waltz past the next stone. And look at the next stone, you've got not one head, but two. 
The one on the left has had his nose broken yeah. off, but look at the like a bonnet and the eye open. Look at the one on the right at the far side with its two eyebrows shut. A long droopy nose. Oh, see. amazing. The one on the left is facing the winter solstice sunset. The one on the right with its eyelids shut is facing the bright summer solstice sunrise. So even these are astronomically aligned. Quite yeah. amazing. It's called the crone stone, this one. You can see for obvious reasons. It should be female, shouldn't it? It should be female. The height of it is, yeah, but it, it's called the crone stone. I mean, I see the one on the right as being a bit male, to be honest, but uh, people generally see the one on the left as a very wizened, uh, sharp cheekboned crone. So it has been called the crone stone. It is the female one. Yeah. And this male is quite narrow at the earth compared is, to the yeah. top, so yeah. you would sort of see yeah. that as male. A lot of the stones are put in narrow end in, so clearly they had to go... Because putting the stone in in a point doesn't make any sense engineering-wise. You put the fat end into the ground, but you soon go around Avery and see that a lot of the stones have got the thin end in the ground. <laughs> so clearly they had to go in that way. You can clearly see uh, the stone. Perhaps they cut his hair in preparation for the ceremonial assassination. Well, who knows? Um, <laughs> I mean, you, you can... I mean. You might know something I don't know, but I haven't found any evidence of uh, sacrificing Neolithic women. All, all of that changed in the Bronze Age when everything went downhill and has been ever since. Uh, in the Neolithic, one of the three things we fight about today, land, uh, religion and money. Money hasn't been invented, there's enough land for everybody, and everybody's got the same spirituality. It doesn't really leave much to fight about. So, um, so as, we can, as we come round, the face disappears and we get the holes again. stone have a look what tell me what the sexual symbolism is of the next four stones that have been removed and replaced with the concrete pillars that's female this is female they've taken the next four males away and left the inoffensive female one they weren't just going along bulldozing the whole lot or whatever I think these next four milestones must have been really offensive. Because <laughs> <laughs> when you think about the heads we've got left, the church would have encouraged the most offensive stones to be taken down first. So actually the best heads we haven't got. Yeah? So there might have been obvious fallacies or more horned stones. And they've left the inoffensive female ones. So I thought that was really interesting. Mm. Again, female stone again, short squat. There's the hole at the bottom. It's facing a slight angle, it's facing this way. Again, midwinter sunset, yeah? I like this one because it's got this real hideous head on here. Head. Yeah? You know that <laughs> painting, The Scream by Mulch? Mm. Yes. Yeah, wow, you see this of a night or when the moon's out. There's the eye, the eye. It's almost like the elephant man. It's really hideous. Now, I've been round here with a flickering torch and wow, this real scares the you-know-what out of you. So can you imagine the young initiate, a teenager thousands of years ago with the hallucinogens, the drums going, being stuck in front of this guy. So if you come back here when the light is faint, or you, and you sh I, I've had a torch under here pointing up, you know, like when people go, ooh, mm -hmm. like that. And this really does, it looks pretty harmless at the moment, but you can just about see there's something going on. And it's in 3D as well. So when you're down here, you know, and all this, and the drums are going, this head, if you come down here, wow, it's like, whoa, coming out at you. And that's in the light of day with the sun out and we haven't even had a drink. Can you imagine the initiate, the young initiate being thrust there under this stone? It's really the only head that's really in 3D at Avery. It really comes right out at you and it's hideous, it's distorted. But that's the idea of initiation. You're going to a place where you're going to be scared witless and then you're going to come out the other side. That's the idea of any initiation. What's the point of initiation if it's if it doesn't scare you half witless? <laughs> so we've got one more stone. We must get to the coach, everybody, or else uh, I'm going to get my fingers wrapped. So this is... Uh, I'll just wait for everybody to catch up because this is the last stone before we, there's the path back to the car park. Um, while the others are catching up, sorry, if ever you want me to do the full day tour as a dozen group to bring your group down or even as individuals, we spend the whole day here, then we go down the avenue and we go into West Kennet and finish with some drumming. So this is just like, like been a little taster today, uh, today I should say, in the last hour and a bit. So um, yeah, 
try and come for the full thing really, it's a, a fantastic experience and I won't be rushing after you to, uh, to follow me. So, uh, and I'll, I'll show you a few things that I haven't had time to, to show you today. But um, the weather's been kind, mm. okay, let's wait for these people to catch up and then we'll... Yeah, I think we're very lucky to have this in Britain, the world's biggest stone circle, you know. And, and privileged guy to spend his own money restoring it. Well, yes, yes. Or else we'd have had no stones lying around. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, um, th this stone healer found in bits all over the place. You can see how this has been repaired and they found bits that stuck together. It's a bit like an unfinished jigsaw and of course it never will be finished because the rest of this stone is scattered around the village. It really is a testimony uh, to man's stupidity. If you come round this side, you can even see the drill, the drills, because they started destroying the stones with fire pits, mm. and then afterwards they get drills going in there. So this stone is due to be the female stone, and I think it was almost heart-shaped. And I always mm. say, I look here and say she's had her heart broken, uh, which the site generally has, because we've lost three quarters of the stone. So I always come here to give her a little hug, because uh, a lot of people walk past her, but she's luck she could say she's the luckiest stone at Avery, because the, the rest of her is Lord knows where. So um, I hope you've enjoyed the last hour and 25 minutes. It really has been a whistle-stop tour, but hopefully I can come back another time and show you a little bit more of this beautiful, sacred site. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We're already a little bit late, so uh, I think we really need to get back on the coach. So we might have to sit cross legs some of us for a while, but uh, <laughs> we'll get the coach driver to get back as quick as he can. Thank you very much indeed. You're welcome. Well, that's going to have to do, as I'm afraid. And many thanks to Peter for that wonderful tour of the Avery complex. And with only a few weeks to go now until our 2010 conference, uh, hopefully we'll be able to record another field trip for you for uh, future listening. But I do hope you enjoyed that. Remember, you can send us your comments by email to podcast at britishdowsers.org. So uh, until next time, I'm Graham Gardner. Thanks for listening.